0: So in the morning we focused especially on the settling process, the, the resting, and want to give a little more attention this afternoon to the process of revisioning, of developing intentions for um, what comes next. <clears throat> And I, w- I was reflecting that it's actually, we're, we're, we're dealing with a mystery, which is really the mystery of transformation, of how we live most fully. How do we uh, orient ourselves to, as it were, bring out our gifts, bring out our uh, what's deeper within? How do we move away from being sometimes stuck, or sometimes caught with old habits or patterns, or um, ways of being in the world. And this is is mysterious. We're really talking about how there is transformation, both personal and I think also cultural, you know, and something which is crucial, really, for all of us. And um, I was reflecting on one of my uh, favorite stories uh, about uh, this question of uh, what comes next? Or I, I think often of uh, a line from a poem by Mary Oliver where she talks about one's wild, precious life. <laughs> and the question would be, what comes next for this wild, precious life? And I thought of a, a, a story, which is one of my favorites, from uh, Howard Thurman, really. it's from a meeting, there was a a young man, uh, this occurred probably I think in the early 70s, Howard Thurman. Anyone know of Howard Thurman? Howard Thurman was a great theologian and um, activist, was uh, African-American professor of uh, theology at Howard and other universities, eventually came out to the Bay Area and started the first, uh, sort of, we would call it, multicultural church in San Francisco uh, that was really dedicated to that vision. And he um, was also a mystic, so he was like, we would call him now, we would call him a sacred activist or a spiritual activist. Um, And he died about 1980. And in the early 70s, a young man came to visit him and asked him, what should I do with my life? He was in his 20s. He didn't know quite what to do. And uh, what should I do? And you might think Howard Thurman would say, well, you might come down and we have these projects with the church, right? You could do that. Or, you know, we really need people for this campaign or whatever, he might say. Or he might say, you know, um, train for the ministry, (laughs) or whatever. But he actually answered the question in this way. He said, interestingly for someone who called himself an activist, don't ask what the world needs, but rather ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And so we can really uh, ask, what makes me come alive? (laughs) And I was thinking of that in relationship to the transformation process and thinking of it in terms of the uh, sort of the three, what we might call the three aspects of time, uh, past, present and future. And I think we relate in a way to each of these aspects of time in the process of transformation. and You know, our really our core tool in our practice is learning to be more present-centered, is learning to be with present-centered experience, to see that which makes it hard for us to be with the present, which we can count many things that make it hard, the distracted mind, the habituated mind, the constant thinking, the... Um, uh, habitual tendencies and so forth. Uh, but the invocation of practice is to really come back over and over again to the present moment. That's what the training is. That's what we're in a sense doing here today. We're taking a day away from a lot of activity and just continually coming back to being present with the breath, with our body, with, uh, with the Earth, with um, really with each other. And There's a beautiful passage from the um, teachings of the Buddha where he says, Do not pursue the past. Do not lose yourself in the future. The past no longer is. The future has not yet come. Looking deeply at life as it is, in the very here and now, the practitioner dwells in stability and freedom. And that probably is the most basic instruction for us, that... And as we, as we um, continue to practice, increasingly we do relate to the past and the future, but we do so, as it were, in the present moment. So learning meditation is not about giving up planning, right? It's not about giving up intentions. It's not about giving up aspirations. But it's having them come more out of what Thurman called the sense of aliveness, or the, pre- the present-centeredness, and less out of maybe ideas that we've taken from someone else. It comes more out of our, uh, our guts, in a way, or out of our deep intuition that we experience more in the present moment. And it comes also out of what uh, the Zen teacher Suzuki Roshi called beginner's mind. Do you know that phrase? That... In this text, which, which I brought in, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, he says that the task of practice is to keep with beginner's mind. And maybe I'll read this passage because it's really uh, so, so central and really so beautiful. People say that practicing is difficult, but there is a misunderstanding as to why. It is not difficult because, because it is hard to sit in a cross-legged position, or to attain enlightenment. It is difficult because it is hard to keep our mind pure, and our practice pure in its fundamental sense. In Japan we have the phrase Shoshin, which means beginner's mind. The goal of practice is always to keep our beginner's mind. Suppose you recite the Prajnaparamita Sutra only once, it might be very good. But what would happen if you recited it twice, three times, four times or more? You might easily lose your original attitude. The same thing will happen in in your meditation practices. For a while you will keep your beginner's mind, but if you continue to practice one, two, three years or more, although you might improve some, you are liable to lose the limitless meaning of original mind. And so he talks about this quality of keeping beginner's mind he says in the mind of the beginner there are limitless possibilities in the mind of the expert there are few and so we have that as our orientation in our practice to keep beginner's mind to stay in the present moment and really i think everything valuable about relating to the future does come out <laughs> of that uh, come out of that and then we also see Increasingly, how parts of the past may make it hard to, to be in the present moment. So I often think that a, a second huge area of our practice is how do we relate to thoughts and habits and patterns related to the past. And part of what happens in meditation when we sit is that all the conditioning of the past presents itself for inspection. <laughs> You know, it's like, I remember, it's like, um, we have all this stuff that's happened, a lot of conditioning, a lot of habits, and then we suddenly have a situation where, to a large extent, we have no new things happening. We just sit, and we're not instructed really to do other than sit with, and be with the breath, and in a way, uh, the past presents itself, so to speak. Uh, and we see the past, and part of what practice is, is to, s- is to identify where do we find um, thoughts about the past, emotions about the past. We start to be able to den- identify the patterns and habits that are really about the past. And over time, we start to see which, what they are, we see them more clearly, and we also see which are helpful and which are not helpful. And a really significant part of practice that we open up to is being able to see what patterns of mind, what patterns of body and emotion are not so helpful. We see our, our habitual tendencies. It might be a habitual tendency to judge oneself. Something doesn't go right, and I judge myself. Or it might be to blame others when something doesn't go well. Or it might be to get um, really reactive when certain things happen. Certain things happen externally, certain things happen internally. And we all have some version of that. We all have habitual <laughs> tendencies that are just part of being a human being that we all have in certain ways. And one of the glories of this practice is we get to see them more clearly, really notice them with a lot of accuracy, and it becomes possible to see that which is not helpful, and to learn not to feed the bad habits, basically. With mindfulness, we study the habits, we might notice that tendency to, to judge ourselves, right? That I ju- when I'm, something hasn't gone well, or at other times I judge myself, and I can begin to see, oh, there's a pattern there. Something doesn't go well, I judge myself. Here's the form it takes, right? And we can notice that and when we, and we can notice perhaps that there are also stories proliferating, right? That, oh, I will never <coughs> make this good. Or, oh, the oh, woe is me story. Does anyone have a version of that? Can, raise your hand. Okay, 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 raise your hand. Everyone has to raise it if that's true for you. <laughs> okay, and you look around. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't embarrass the people who didn't raise their hand... Or didn't raise it too quickly. Okay, um, but don't don't judge yourself for that. <laughs> okay, okay. So we we can notice those patterns, and with mindfulness, we can do a few things. For one thing, when we have noticed an old pattern or old habit enough, we can really um, we notice it coming up, and we don't feed it. We say thank you for your view, or thank you for your opinion, or we notice a habit going, and we can, right on the spot, um, really um, not give it energy, and even sometimes invite it to go away. I mean, this is one of the reasons that mindfulness has been brought so much into psychotherapy, because you can see how that would be a tremendous tool for working with habitual tendencies of mind. We can do it in the meditation like that. particularly can be on track for negative stories. It's one of the most um, valuable aspects of this, that we can really notice those stories. We have to study them. We have to have the courage to hang out with a lot of our bad habits. The Tibetan teacher, Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche, said, self-knowledge is 70% bad news. So you have to have some courage to hang out with that, right? And to be with, oh my God. And we have to sit there, and sometimes our meditation is, oh, not that one again, right? And oh, there is that voice again. Oh my God, again. I thought we had finished with that one. I thought meditation was supposed to clear everything up within a week or two. <laughs> and we, we stay with it. And so this is a large part of our practice. It's, and you know, a little later, we'll do this guided visualization where we'll ask what do I want to let go of? What habit, what pattern do I want to let go of for the next year? And then the other aspect of practice is, we might say, uh, oriented more a little bit more to the future and that is where we work with intention and aspiration and we do things deliberately that cultivate beautiful qualities. You know, although the practice is very present-centered, there's a very important place for setting intention, working with aspiration, and acting in ways which will bear fruit in the future. And so we actually have all of these dimensions in. And in fact, the the core in the Buddha's teachings of the meaning of karma is not about some... Quasi-mystical sense of fate, like if you, I don't know, if you killed some ants yesterday, you know, you'll get stung by a wasp today, <laughs> or something like that, or something of, you know, everything is karma. You know, when I was once studying karma, I had, my, I had a friend visiting my house and staying with me for a while, and right, as, right on the day I was preparing, like, to some, uh, a talk on karma, she um, went to the bathroom, and the bathroom got stuck, and she said, that's my karma. (laughs) You know, I I worked that into my my talk. (laughs) But it it was, um, I think that is not really the essence of karma, you know, having some sense of, some mystical sense of, this happened because this happened and so forth. But it's really, in the teachings it's very clear, the essence of karma is noticing that Present-centered intention has an impact on the future. And that's it, actually. There's a line where, where the Buddha says, intention it is that I call karma. So working skillfully with intention is really, really crucial. What that means is, if we further, if we have an intention to further something, either with our actions or our, or our, our thoughts, that will become... Strengthened. If I keep overeating, that tendency is strengthened, right? If I choose to be generous or I choose to be uh, kind, if I really have that intention, that will tend to be what, what is developed, you know? It's like we, whatever we feed grows, as it were. And so that's really the essence of how we relate to the future. We try to act skillfully in relation to the future uh, in general. And we also, I think, try to be sensitive for what in ourself wants to grow, what wants to come out. And sometimes that takes being quiet, right? Sometimes it takes letting go of activity, not being so distracted, to know what wants to come into being next. It's really this crucial practice that's so appropriate at this time of the year, right? When we have the earth is more dark and we can have for many of us, less activity, and it lets us be a little more quiet, a little less distracted. And then we say, what wants to come into being? You know, one of my teachers who is a therapist said that at every moment there's something that he called the organic wish. There's one of my teachers named John Eisman. So I don't know, does anyone know John? Maybe somebody, he's based in Oregon. And he teaches the Hakomi approach to uh, body-based psychotherapy and very beautiful teacher. And he has this sense every moment has this organic wish. And our practice often is to be quiet enough and um, less caught in our habits, so we can actually sense what that is. And we can also do that in a sense um, in relation to what, wants to what wants to come next. And so we, in a way, relate in that way. And then that's the way we, we invite, really, we might say we invite the light. We invite the beautiful qualities. We in- invite skillfully uh, what, what wants to happen next. So that being said, I think we're ready for this guided practice. And I'll give a visualization that especially helps us to work with the question, what do I want to let go of now for this next cycle of time? And where especially am I called to develop? in positive ways. So if you need to shift a little bit to take a comfortable posture, this will be about 10 minutes. And we'll do this practice as a guided meditation now. And then I'll, do, I'll really uh, complete the practice after our next walking period in the last sitting. We'll complete the practice uh, with, a, with a brief ritual at the at the end of the day again so find a comfortable posture First, I'd like to invite you to feel yourself sitting here, feel your body. And then imagine yourself with your eyes closed in your mind's eye, as it were, (coughs) moving up into the sky, moving up and flying above Spirit Rock, and going up further to the level of the clouds, We're going to imagine ourselves now moving in time into the future. I'd like you to move through time at the level of the clouds, moving into the future, moving several months ahead, and now a year ahead. And now two years ahead. And now three years ahead. You can imagine yourself being in the clouds now. And you actually, now you can come down just beneath the level of the clouds. You're three years ahead, and you look down. And in these three years, you will have developed in ways that really connect with that sense of what wants to develop next. You will have really developed in ways that connect with your heart's wishes. And you look down now, three years from now, and see yourself. See yourself in some place, some activity. And just notice what's there, what's happening. Just witnessing yourself. Now you've seen yourself and you're, in a little while, you're going to come back to the present moment. But before that happens, there is a wise being who comes to you as you're looking down. There's a wise being. It might be someone you know, someone you don't know, someone you've heard of. So a wise being comes up to you. See who that is. And the wise being whispers something to you that will be of use to you when you are back in the present moment. And the wise being also gives you a gift, (coughs) see what that is. now you say, in whatever way you wish, thank you to this wise one. And you come back through the sky to the present moment. Coming back in time, back to two years from now, a year and a half flying through the sky. the year, and now you come, and you're in the present, and you can look down and you see the hills, that spirit rock, and you come back into being in your body, being here in the present moment. Now, still with your eyes closed, the invitation is to reflect on two questions. The first is What do I want to let go of at this time? Could be a particular pattern, or habit, or predominance of, let's say, fear, or could be anything. What do I want to let go of at this time? And think of one or two, one or two things. And the second question is, what one or two directions or intentions for the next time, next period of time, do I have? You might say, it. how do I want to develop? What qualities want to come forth for the next period of time? And reflect on that. Again, focusing on just one or two at the most. and now still keeping silence, I invite you to take those two pieces of paper and on one of them write down what you intend to let go of. These papers will eventually be collected in the bowl up here and burned. <laughs> so write down what you want to let go of first on one sheet and then on the second sheet which you will keep what you're intention or aspiration is, how you, what, how you want to develop further. And take, take time and anything else you'd like to write down about the guided meditation, not on those sheets necessarily. If you want to take some notes from the guided meditation, sometimes that's helpful. Well, just let us do this, and when you're, when you're finished, you, we can go right into the walking meditation, which will be about half hour.